Ladies, pull up a seat and listen to our fable. We welcome all who sit at our table. Let's enjoy our caffeinated delight, for we are all monsters on the darkest of nights. Hello everyone and welcome to the first official episode of the Caffeinated Monsters Horror Podcast. My name is Faith, your host today, and my co-host will be Rhea, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi guys, it's me, the co-host, Rhea. (laughs) But yes, as this is our first official episode, we decided to go with the subject matter of horror movies that sounded good on Uh, My choice for this episode was Wounds, which was created in 2019. And Rhea, if you'd like to say your choice. Yes, I chose a a little-known movie called The Shrine. Um, I'm sure I'm one of, like, seven people who have watched it. (laughs) I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) You are now, yes. (laughs) It's 2010, by the way. That's 2010, The Shrine. Oh, God, it's 11 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was that old. I watched it on Netflix maybe five years ago. It couldn't have been more than five <laughs> years ago. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. And that would have been U.S. Netflix, not U.K. Netflix that I watched it on. Yeah. I watched both of these films like a week ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like I watched Wounds... Maybe in the summer, I think I, I said I had watched it, I want to say. So it's been a while. I did watch Wounds probably July 2020. One big thing I have to say about Wounds is I felt nothing for this film. I literally got about halfway through it to the armpit scene when he's in the shower. Yeah. And I had to stop and go for a walk just so I can kind of go... <laughs> Do I actually have any emotional attachment to these characters or am I watching this... Because it looked interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I will say when David and I um, watched it, when my husband and I watched it, we were like, what are we watching? I kept saying, like, the main character is just like a jerk. Like, he's just like this, like, 100% jerk. When really, he's not a jerk. He's just nothing. He's like, not good at being a boyfriend, not good at being a bartender, not good at being whatever he went to school for. Like, he's like, nothing and he kind of knows that and that's kind of the point of it but like the whole time we were watching it David and I were like this guy sucks like you're not rooting for him and you're not on his side and you're not in his corner but you're just like third person watching this happen to him I do agree with you on that one I I kept watching it thinking is anything going to happen to him that's actually going to be interesting that's going to keep my attention even even like the scary sections I just didn't feel anything see i liked the tension of the film i thought they did tension well in just like very small scenes that were almost stereotypical scary scenes where like he just sees the back of an unknown person like in his living room or at the table or like those tensiony scenes you know were done well they were you know ooh, who is that i'm scared who's sitting at his table but then there was no ultimate like payoff in those scenes they just ended there were these scary moments and the scary moments ended and it it was almost in a way that you weren't expecting but it didn't make it like 
oh, I didn't expect that. That was really good. It was like, I didn't expect that. Also, like, what is going on and why is this continuing to happen? Mm. The concept of the film itself, him being like this vessel, made sense. He was a hollow shell of a person. Like, he wasn't a person. He was just, like, shifting through life and being bad at everything. So, like, the underlying theme of that movie was, like, good on paper. You have this person who is, like, a vessel for something evil or malevolent or just something otherworldly. But like he's, it took the whole movie to get to the point of the movie where he at the end is this vessel. And I think again, all the potential in the world and army hammer is actually a very good actor. You could like Mm. argue he did a great job at being this nothing guy, which is hard (laughs) because he's actually like, a genuinely like good looking charismatic type of person in other films. So like he did a good job of being this, like, what is this guy? You know, like what is his motivation? And it's nothing. He doesn't have one. And I mean, it's impressive to actually watch a film that's got a main character that looks really attractive in other films, but can pull off looking like really shitty. Like he literally looks yeah, like he's, he's just sweating. Like a wreck. <laughs> By the end of the film, he was just covered in sweat head to toe and just looked like a shit show for the, the light finale. He did a good job at that. I did find that quite good. I mean, he played the character of nothing, but I didn't really like his girlfriend that much. And it's kind of like, if you can't trust your partner, why the fuck are you still with him? And well, he's cheated on you. <laughs> yeah, like, everything they do with each other is questionable motivation. Like, why would he show her this phone? And then he was like, you don't want to see what's on there. But then she sees it anyway. Like, mm. I, I don't know. Like, I don't get like, but, but ultimately it's because he didn't love her and he doesn't care about her because he's a shitty boyfriend. And in, in return, I guess she's always, I guess, belittling him or not belittling him, but just like it, she starts to be like, well, you're nothing anyway. You know what I mean? Like she's like realizing but it's, you know, through her watching the stuff on the phone and her staying up and watching those weird videos online, like, she finds out herself that he's, like, not worth it. Although, like, I didn't really understand. There's the whole scene with the bathtub, and he puts her in the bathtub, and, like, it turns black, and, like, was she sort of becoming a vessel herself, or was she just, like... Like, I I didn't understand what was happening with her character at all. I think that was meant to be like a physical representation of it starting to contaminate her, that really the nothingness is also starting to affect her in a mm. way. But you're right, as far the as the couple was... and as far as like the, the actor, well, the actress, she's a bit like flat. Like she's just like a flat yes, performance. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's just like not, there's nothing there. She's supposed to be kind of in a trance and whatever, but she's like that before that happened. She's just kind of flat the whole time. Yeah. I mean, she was in Fifty Shades of Grey, film series i've never seen those i don't want to and she had a bit of a like nothing kind of expression on her face for a lot of those films as well and that was kind of like yeah. oh god why <laughs> <laughs> isn't she like the daughter of someone very famous isn't she like uh daryl hannah's daughter or something crazy something yeah i know that her mum's quite famous i think I don't know. Yeah, the actual... I don't want to lead anybody astray. The synopsis of the film, according to Google, is that disturbing and mysterious things begin to happen to a bartender in New Orleans after he brings home a cell phone that was left behind at his bar. That's very vague. Um, Obviously, you don't want to give too much away in the preview, but 
even in the that like the phone left behind it's like during a brawl like kids who shouldn't be at a bar shouldn't be there that guy gets into a fight and gets his face cut and the phone gets left behind in the scuffle you know what i mean like it's not just like oh a phone on my bar i wonder whose it is it's like a yeah. whole scene with a scuffle and the kids get out and then he has this crazy phone and you know what what it goes on to lead from there oh yeah so it's it's um melanie griffith and don johnson's uh, daughter <laughs> both actors both famous actors yeah i thought so and yes she was in all the 50 shades films which we both didn't see <laughs> we have our genre we know what we like yes uh yes we don't like the uh, bdsn f- films where the dom literally doesn't stop when the sub says to stop <laughs> isn't that like a rule isn't that like it's a it is it's a big ass rule and he just annihilated it it's just like the one rule <laughs> it's a rule called consent <laughs> in this day and age does anyone know about consent i don't know Please don't get us in trouble. <laughs> so that no, I, I mean, I mean that, of course, ironically, obviously. It's a yes. big issue. <laughs> especially uh, uh, now more than ever. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the um, a thing going up in the news with, uh, what was her name? Everard. And mm. everything coming out in the news with that and just... Yeah. yeah, me too movement. But they made a whole back, so yeah, I... and they made a whole movie about someone who doesn't respect the person he's with, I guess, or treats her like property. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen them. <laughs> I mean, they had like a whole rule book of what they should and what she can and can't do, and he just he puts like a tracking thing on her phone so he can constantly find her, and it's just kind of like why? <laughs> okay, that sounds like uh, a bit illegal. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Sounds yeah, like definitely. stalking your partner. <laughs> um, I do know. I do know that obviously all those movies were like a fan fiction Twilight story yep. first. So I know that whole story behind them. But I don't know. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> I don't know. We, we kind of got sidetracked onto it because because it was the lady oh, that happens. It's weird because I find her character more compelling from what I've seen in Wounds compared to the clips mm-hmm. that I've seen in. The other movies that she's in, <laughs> and in and in Wounds, she literally gets sucked into watching a screen of going through a tunnel where the monster is, and she pisses herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's more true. compelling than watching bloody Fifty Shades of Shites. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, she did what she could. She did what she could with a small part that was written like. Oddly, she's like devoid of a personality and flat through the whole movie, and it gets worse because of this entity in their lives. But like, you know, what are you gonna do? She did the best she could, I guess. I don't know her ability, but I'm assuming she did the best she could. I'm assuming anyone who's an actor gives their best yeah. when they're making a film. But it, it completely, you know, the flip side of that is you're watching Army Hammer, and he's doing a great job with the very little he has. I think the movie, again, like it was full of potential. There were so many good ideas. The underlying theme was a good idea. Him being this nothing person, this vessel was a good idea. It was all good in theory, but when you bring it all together, it was like lacking personality almost. Yeah, like there was nothing that brought the viewer in. That makes sense? Yes. It didn't grab me. 
Yeah, even the finale section, put, put it in perspective for whoever wants to listen to us ramble about these films. <laughs> <laughs> um, essentially, uh, a friend of the main character that works at Rosie's bar gets, cut, gets his cheek cut open by broken glass in a bar fight where these students are also there recording the incident. They lose their phone at, at the bar. The guy that gets his face slashed open is essentially at the end of the film he's pretty much known as the gift wrapped in flesh and the monster of the film which is actually i think he's a pagan god actually Mm -hmm. comes through the face wound because it's seen as a portal and goes into army hammer's mouth yeah i think his name is will in the film but even that like you're waiting for this big moment and it's obscured by all these like are they locusts or, or uh, like no? Uh, the cockroaches. So yeah, so it was obscured by all these cockroaches on purpose. It's giving you this like overwhelming sense of everything coming in and closing out the scene, and you just very like a sliver of the screen see it entering his mouth. Still Again, like all of that sounds great. Yeah, I know. Like that. That's what. Like wow, that sounds pretty good. Like. What are you talking yeah. about, Faith? What are you like? That sounds like a good movie. But then you watch it and you're like, okay, I guess it's over now. And I just, I just watched a movie. <laughs> There's no like ultimate. I, I think in the way that that is good on paper, it, it shows you that there are like different types of movies like this. So like the whole concept of it should be good, and somehow it just isn't. Whereas I feel like the Shrine is good it just like either didn't have the production value or like didn't have the right cast and they lose their way but overall the pieces are all there whereas this was like a theory that was good but the pieces aren't exactly there definitely i think the characters should have been a bit more flushed out and i think they should have gone a bit more into what the hell is going on i mean i like the fact that i don't go into yeah the normal stereotypical uh, oh yeah, teenagers fucking about with a demon. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not it, a movie about like, kids as a consequence. Exactly. Yeah. This is like, oh yeah, this is what happens to other people if they get involved in, in like the crossfire. Essentially, like yeah. the teenagers aren't the main focus; they just happen to screw up and they leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think give it credit for that. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think it deserves credit. And I think, like I said, I think even like in the moments it did right, it did them very well. Like the tension moments with like him seeing the kid entity and like certain scenes they nailed, but the scenes were so disjointed and didn't connect to the rest of the film in any way that it loses its its effect. Definitely. With like, so now if we jump to the shrine. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> So we jump over to the shrine as a quick rundown. It's the, the, it starts like the stereotypical, the reporter lady finds out about a missing kid. Well, you like know this kid is backpacking somewhere and went missing and you like see that happen. But then you see this reporter who's like, I'm going to go find this goop on this kid that's gone missing. And it's that classic guy goes missing in Eastern European type place. And so she does a little digging around and she decides she's going to go and she's going to find this kid for the story. So she leaves with her ex-boyfriend, ex-lover. I don't know. He's a photographer and, or a, a cameraman. 
and her like assistant. So the three of them. So it's the girl, the assistant and the like photographer, cameraman, ex-lover, whatever he is. And they go to this and it's the typical get out of here, foreigners, strangers, you know, that like cliche. We don't want new people in town because we're probably up to something bad vibe is happening. But the shrine itself is where I'm like, okay, all of this to me is like the setup for a great film from that point on. <laughs> but like the effects are bad. The acting is bad. It's just like flat. It's, it's got so much potential. And for me, it's the third act twist that changed the genre change even that like nailed it as a good movie. So much potential, but just like didn't, didn't follow through. When you watched it, how did you feel ultimately? Like, did you feel the same or? I did wonder where it was going to go because I did think, oh, is this going to turn into like a low budget hostel or something? Uh huh. Uh-huh. I mean, the scene where they get off, oh, where they find Lydia, the little, the little girl, I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. And do you know what America is? And she's like, hamburger. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, no. Like, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, kind <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, child. <laughs> Well, and burn. Yeah. she didn't know how mean she was. <laughs> <laughs> Savage child, I like you. But yeah, and yeah, the bit where they go into essentially the fog area in the woods. Yeah, so there's like, just this weird, mysterious fog hanging over the village and everyone, the villagers are like, get out of here. Like, you know, don't come back. But of course they go into the fog. Yes, yes, because they're idiots and they don't know what, um, what it's like to be in a horror film. Well, to be fair, the boy doesn't go into the fog. He is smart enough to not go into the fog. The two girls are like, I'm just going to go in the fog. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I do feel sorry for Sarah's character. She got it so fucking bad in that film. Yeah, yeah. She did did not deserve that fate. I mean, her death was drawn out. (laughs) was really long. Make it stop, please. (laughs) But again, it was so good because you think, okay, like this town is full of evil people and they're just sacrificing these girls so essentially they go in the fog and the two girls the one girl goes in the other girl goes in to find the other girl and um they see the shrine and once you don't know this but so the shrine is like looking at back at them like they move and when the camera cuts back the shrine has turned its head and is still looking at them so it's kind of like a devil beast shrine and then when they leave they they run back into the townspeople who are now chasing them down and they don't know why they just think like, Oh, you know, like they're evil, bad people. And this is an evil, bad place. But ultimately they do take the two girls. The boy gets knocked out, I think. And he finds his way. He's like separated from them. And yeah, they're going to, they're making him dig his own grave. They're making the boy dig his own grave and they're going to kill him in the woods. And the two girls get taken. And what it looks like is again, it isn't what it looks like. So much potential it looks like this town is going to sacrifice the assistant. They're just going to do some bad stuff to her. They like slash her. Do they slash her ankles or like Achilles? Oh yeah, the uh, Achilles tendon. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, and then they, (laughs) (laughs) and then they nail through her eyes, a mask onto her head. Just nail that right onto her face. (laughs) Yep. Brute force nails through the eyes kind of thing. And of course she dies. So she is like the, the, the first victim of the shrine. But so it just looks like these are bad people doing something bad to these people. But then the shift comes, the, the, what I think is like the best part of the film, again, so much potential is 
the guy and the girl get away and they run and eventually they're in like a small farmhouse with like a family, a local family. And they just look at her and they know that something is wrong with her. And so the switch is ultimately once you see, they're just trying to keep people out of town because the shrine is like a curse. It's evil. It's like a devil beast or something. Yeah. So once you see the shrine, you're possessed and they know she's going to turn into like a demon beast and she kills. She's like ultimately possessed Linda Blair style possessed. She kills this family and she's going to kill her friend, the guy. And he realizes now, Oh, the whole town was just trying to keep us out. We fucked up. We brought this demon here. And not. now he realizes he's going to have to, they come in they're They're trying to fight her. And he realizes I'm going to have to help them kill my ex-girlfriend. And he actually holds her down when they nail the mask into her face. And like, I loved that. I love, I couldn't have loved more the switch to like a possession film. It went from like, Ooh, kids backpacking to lost person to a stereotypical. We got to go find this guy to possession film. And like, I loved the switch and I thought it could have been such a good film. And in the end, they even let the guy go because they know he's not going to tell anyone now. Like, he understood and he wasn't possessed and he helped them. So they're just like, yeah, he's fine. Let him leave. And so like, I thought it was, it had so much potential, but ultimately when you watch it, it's the budget or the cast, or it could have used a, a, a much bigger budget. I mean, the bit where they, the girls walk into the fog, I thought the fog looked a bit too mm. CGI. I think, you know, like fog machines, have them off camera, put them around, and literally just fall <laughs> over it. Go for it that way. <laughs> yeah, the whole fog scene, because they do want it to, it's supposed to be this unnatural, unmoving fog, a very small, dense area of fog in the forest around the shrine. And they don't, obviously, it was 11 years ago. It was a low budget film. I'm imagining they didn't have a high budget. I don't know. But they definitely didn't nail. The the fog scene just looks straight up terrible. Looks like we could have done it with a green screen. Like that's as good as it gets for the, for that. It's 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 tough to appreciate the fog scene. But even the concept of like the shrine itself being possessed and it like it moved. Even that like it didn't have a loud jump scare. It didn't have a crazy sound. You know, it just turned its head. They it she looked down at her camera and looked back, and the statue had turned to look at her. Like, that to me is, like, again, full of potential. Like, that's so much scarier than loud noise, flash of a, you know, ghost face. I think if they had her sort of, like, just staring at it and then, like, get a nosebleed or something, it would have kind of made it a bit creepier somehow. But I don't think they wanted you to know that early on that it was, like, affecting her. Do you know what I mean? Like, they just wanted you to be, it just wanted you to be, like, scared by it and think maybe the whole town was evil. Because you even see, like, a weird church and you see that little scene in the distance of like weird priests and the weird statue. And at that point, you're still supposed to just think they're like a bad group of people, bad town. And maybe that this this statue is their creepy God or something. They're like bad people is what you're supposed to think. And so I think at that point to have the statue affect her in a a physical way would have been too early because you're not supposed to realize that they're actually good people, just old, old religion protecting the town from the statue. I think um, ultimately, like, again, so much potential, so good on paper. And then the film is just like, it just, the film doesn't nail it, but they had a great idea. Can you imagine that film with a huge budget? 
feel like who would be a really good director for a film like that? Like, I'd be tempted to say the, what is it, the, the guys, uh, Juan, and um, who do, like, all the Conjuring-style films. Was it James Wan? And um, what's the other guy? Winnell? Winnell? I, I can't remember. I'm terrible at names. I can definitely tell that I would not want Michael Bay to touch any of Lee. these films. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, James, it's Lee. Lee Winnell. James Wan and Lee Winnell could do it, but again, it, it's it's more of a subtle film in the way that it doesn't have the like loud noise jump scares. So that's more tends to be more of their flavor. The Conjuring, like mm. turn jump scare, but um, I think the movie was full of potential, and it would be it's a great take on an exorcism style film because you don't realize that's even where it's headed, so it really comes out of nowhere. So if you could nail the exorcism scene. Like her being not exercise, not her getting exercised, but her being possessed, the possession scene rather. If you could nail mm-hmm. that possession point turn in the film, it could be such a good film. Because even I with did. a low budget, that was their best part. By far, yeah. I absolutely love that scene. Because I literally I saw it. It was when you see her reflection change in the mirror as well, and you think, oh, shit, something mm-hmm. happened right now. <laughs> yeah, that's when you finally understand what's happening. They're trying to kill her because she's going to turn into a demon. That film could have been so good. And it's funny because I've talked about that film for so many years. I guess I guess I didn't realize how long it's been. But I remember when I watched it being like asking friends who like scary films, like, oh, have you seen The Shrine? Have you seen The Shrine? And no one had because no one has seen this movie. But like, I just felt like it's it's so much better than you'd imagine. And it could have been even better. Oh, yeah. So if anyone can recommend uh, a director that could <laughs> Like if so, oh, do you recommend anyone that can make, do a remake for this one and do, if anyone can think of like, a really good director that can do a film like that, this, I'll be absolutely, I would love to hear about it. Because I think it's a yeah. good film in itself. But there was something a little bit lacking to it, which I thought was unfortunate. Because yeah. I, I kind of enjoyed it, but part of me was like. It's not enough sting to it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, as as the especially the uh, possession turn in the film, like it, they they did a good job with what they had. But like, if someone could have brought more to it, can you imagine how good that point when you finally realize what's happening? It would have been like so much bigger if they had like I don't know a better cast, bigger budget, whatever it was. It would have been so good. But again, it's one of those films. It's like. It came, it went 11 years ago. No one's really seen it. I'm glad you watched it. And like, again, I think, I think what I said about Wounds too, it was like the kind of film that you don't recommend those to a person. You're not like, oh, you should watch Wounds or, oh, you should watch The Shrine. They work perfectly for something like this. Oh, you should watch Wounds. You should watch The Shrine because you know what you're getting into. You know, it isn't going to be this full finished film. You know what I mean? You you wouldn't recommend it to someone who wants to sit down and watch a good, scary movie from beginning to end. Like, similarly, I remember, I don't know if you're familiar, there are two movies where I had seen the short film that inspired it first before I saw the new, now full-length part. So there was uh, the Oculus? Yes. Oh, I still need to watch that. Have you never seen it? It's It's on my list. Okay. I just well, there's to... a, a short film that you can watch first that is like the inspiration for the film. 
and it's just a guy in a room with the mirror and it's low budget. It's just like some, you know, something you would grab a camera and make yourself. And it's the inspiration to the film. And so like, again, there's this idea so good on paper, this idea that someone then turns into a full length film that just like misses the mark a tiny bit. Like I liked Oculus. I thought it was good. It was a good film, but Again, when you watch this, like, you know, 11 minute, 10 minute, whatever it was, short film, it was like a full leaf, a full vision. And then there was, um, oh God, what was the other one? Uh, The film called Lights Out was actually a short film at first that went viral. I saw that one too, the short film and the, yeah. I thought the short film was scarier than the long, than the feature length. Again, that sh- I get, that's what I mean. It shattered me up. As soon as you put the light on at the end, was, the monster's face is like, oh, no. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. But uh, that was one of them. But the one I was going to say was Mama. Have you seen Mama? I have. I didn't know there was a short film for that one. There's a, it's a, essentially just the scene with Mama in the hall, like chasing down the girls. But even that, like, it was, um, it was, it's just like, there are these ideas that are so good. And then maybe just when you stretch them out into a full length film, they lose that, that sense that made it so good to begin with. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. it's such a good idea on paper. How can we, you know, elaborate on that and make it this big, long film, but maybe it doesn't need to be, maybe that's why it was good. You know, cause especially like lights out, it was just this short it that it gotcha it, it really made you scared in that 10 minutes or six minutes whatever it was that one was real short but it's great that whole that whole scene is great i feel like there are so many films out there like that yeah i think saw was actually meant to be a short was a short film at first so that they could raise uh, raise the money to make a feature length oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. and look where that's gone i mean they've nearly hit the uh, double digits <laughs> now in terms films. of films <laughs> yeah it's crazy. And I think there's another one coming, right? Yeah, called um, Jigsaw, I think it's going to be called. Wow. They're just crushing it with those. It's going and going and going. Oh, God. I could, there's actually a film um, series that I've, I've been watching. I need to get the other DVDs uh, called Hellraiser. Yeah, guess how oh, many yeah. films there are for that series? <laughs> oh, God. I, I'm going to guess there are six. <laughs> six Hellraisers? More. More? Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Eight Hellraisers? There's ten. There are ten Hellraiser films? Yeah. You know it's been going on a while while where 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 it goes into actual double digits and you're like, oh god, oh no. Ten Hellraiser films. Yeah. It's quite shocking when I read it because I was like... Well, what's crazy is I say recently, but it was probably like seven years ago, eight years ago, I rewatched the first Hellraiser because I was like, I don't even remember Hellraiser anymore. And so I rewatched the first one and it is, it is insane. It is all over the place. The story is crazy. Like it didn't know what it was doing. It was crazy. And so I can't even imagine making 10 of those. Yeah, there's a lot. I think um, Clive Barker, the director, he wasn't involved. A few of the films, because I don't think he liked where it was going with some of them, so he didn't. He kind yeah. of left the director's chair. But yeah, this apparently they're thinking of reboot for. Really? Yeah. Like I guess I guess actually that shouldn't surprise me because I feel like everything gets rebooted, like everything. So that shouldn't be a surprise. Exactly, like Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Which well, I they're talk rebooting about the Candyman so now, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was meant to come out last year, and then the, um, the world decided to implode on itself, <laughs> and everyone bought all the toilet paper for themselves. <laughs> you mean the great toilet paper apocalypse happened? I'm never surprised when the worst thing happens. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I expected. Getting a bit dark. We're getting a bit dark here on, <laughs> on our <laughs> monsters. We're talking about real life monsters now, and that's you know we're we're not going to go there. Let's keep it. Let's keep it in no, that, magic monsters. <laughs> yeah, otherwise we'll go into like an actual dark place, and I don't think I can come back. Yeah, that. <laughs> there there is no return. There is no return once you go there. No, survival out of control. <laughs> I think ultimately the whole concept of this of this episode, you know, things good on paper. I feel like we've all been there. Like you come up with this idea and you're like, oh man, I got this great idea. And you might have a beginning and you might have a middle. And then you're, I think more often than not, especially in horror films, no one has an end. They have a great idea for a beginning and a middle. And then it's like, shit, I never figured out how to wrap it up. And so many movies, the third act in a horror film is like, what? Like, why? Like, they just don't know. They have this great idea, and they don't know where to go with it. I think that's a, a big thing for the horror industry. It's difficult. To, I think I can understand where some of them come from. I mean, when I write, try and write horror stories or anything like that, I would struggle with the end, because it's kind of like you want it to yeah. be noticeable for the right reasons. You want it to be not a giant cliche. Mm-hmm. You want people to rem- remember it for, like, for being a good ending, not something that's just kind of like, oh. Yeah, oh, I've wrapped it up. The end. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to make it their own, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I know I just said it already, but I did mention Mama, and it was a short film, and it was really creepy, and then the movie itself was was and steam and it was because i went to see that in the film in the theater and i remember sitting there with my best friend and we were like wow this is pretty good and then the end was just like oh shit like i forgot to write an ending here's an end it's over and it was like not good at all and you especially hate to see again a film that's like full of potential and has all this is doing great and you're watching it and you're enjoying it and then it just crashes at the end and that like i said that's just so common in horror movies but I think ultimately the two films we chose, Wounds and The Shrine, that, that wasn't the case. They were good ideas. They had all this potential. And they didn't, it wasn't the beginning, the middle, or the end that ultimately caused their downfall. They just didn't follow through on the potential of the storyline they had. That's the difference with those two films. Yeah, I mean, one particular, I think with Wounds, I think it had the budget, it had the cast, but it didn't have the oomph to keep mm-hmm. it going, to kind of make it like with the scene where he looks at his phone and he sees a photo of sitting on mm-hmm. his bed while his kind of deflated girlfriend is in, in the apartment. That in itself wasn't actually that creepy. He literally see it and he's like, yeah. oh yeah, I need to drive over. They didn't feel like it, it was a serious situation, but it was. And yet with uh, the shrine, the bit where who you think are the good guys, like the uh, the people that are working for the newspaper and things like that, they yeah. get separated and one of them gets shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. You felt that. <laughs> and yet certain bits in the shrine worked so much better, even though it had a low budget, and yet 
a film that had a high budget just lacked that kind of urgency to get things done. No, you're right. That's a great point. These are two films suffering from a similar fate that ultimately had different main points to them. That's something I don't think a lot of people really talk about. That's how some low-budget films absolutely smash it in terms of storyline and the way that things, how to build things up. And yet with really big budget films, it seems that they kind of make it more of a visual spectacle rather than it being like an like there's no like it's very visual it's very pretty and it keeps your attention that way but if there's no decent storyline to it oh yeah it's just gonna fall on its ass yep absolutely yeah for sure um well you think about so many of the most successful like scary movies as of late like hereditary or something like that that had like this great story and it's it's acted superbly from beginning to end. And it, so it's not only this great idea and it doesn't only have this big budget, but it has these amazing actors carrying it through where you were like enthralled and entranced and like couldn't look away, even though you wanted to, because it was such a, a well put together. It was, it was amazing. It's one of my favorite films I think ever now. Um, but like, so when you think of these other films that had all this potential can you imagine if they had the right cast and the right, like you're saying, like even Wounds mashed with the, the Shrine. If you had the cast of Wounds and the money of Wounds with the story of Shrine, you know what I mean? Like the whole thing comes together. You need every piece, you know what I mean? It's a, you, can't, you can't put the whole puzzle together without all these pieces. So kudos to someone who is an unknown person who writes a story and makes a low-budget film. And it is great because they did it. They, they still went through and like, you know, saw their vision to fruition. But at the same time, can you imagine those movies with a huge cast, with the right visuals, with the money? It, it, it just would elevate them and make them these great films. You smarty. I love how we pretty much turned this into concept that sounded good on paper to literally being like a college study. If I be quick. <laughs> we had two films. We had two films to talk about and we went into it, you know what I mean? Like I think ultimately that's the best conversation we could have about them because it wasn't just, oh, these were okay and they let us down. It was these were okay because and this is like, you know, what could have helped elevate them to the best movie possible. But um I think ultimately like horror movies have to be looked at that way. You have to give every horror movie a chance. Like you and I both have favorite horror films on our list of favorites that are like the worst budget, awful movies that aren't even a good story, but something about them is fun. And horror movies in general, like can be so much fun, even with no money and no cast, like the worst cast. And you can still get something out of them and still enjoy them and still love them. (laughs) (laughs) what, What to say after that. (laughs) ultimately go out and find yourself a low budget horror film and give it a chance and then let us know is it worth watching is it the kind of film that we should discuss does it have a great underlying theme maybe it just didn't have the right cast let us know if you have a film like that that's near and dear to your heart that we should watch yes um, it's nice to actually hear from listeners about whether or not we don't want to hear just about the big budget movies but it's like Absolute like, explosions everywhere, blood up the walls, all sorts of things. You know, it looks like a blood cannon has just gone off in front of the screen. Yeah, you've there got your smaller, subtle films. Yeah, 
Well, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, not every horror film is going to be like a Michael Myers from Halloween or it's going to be like yeah. directed by Eli Roth or yeah. Quentin Tarantino. I mean, his films yeah. aren't exactly horror, but they are kind of connected in a way with the amount, of gore, of the amount of blood that's involved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very, very Oh, good. the amount of blood. <laughs> but there are some uh, low-budget horror films that do have that love and attention behind it where it's absolutely brilliant and beautiful to look at but it just doesn't have that kind of like almost like a studio backing behind it it. oh yeah Mm -hmm. of course there's so many out there like that yeah i think we i I think we wrap that one up i think i think we delved into those two films as far as we could yeah i mean in all honesty who knows we might do future episodes that's a similar subject ultimately too i think would you recommend these films to someone else? Would you tell someone, hey, you should give this film a chance? I like I wouldn't in the case of Wounds, but I might in the case of The Shrine. I mean, I'd definitely recommend... I would recommend Wounds if someone wanted to, wanted to look at a film about toxic masculinity, like the article that you mm. sent me. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't really understand why I'm not quite... Well, I don't feel this through this film. Yeah, and they sent me the article. And it's like, oh yeah, this is toxic masculinity. Like the certain um, certain scenes where it says, uh, "What a guy starts crying," and another she said, oh, "Is that dude crying?" And it's like, oh okay, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's if you spot certain things that you kind of get it. I mean, I would recommend it in that kind of way because it's almost like a character study in how yeah. not to deal with something because the main character oh, yeah, is Yeah, that's a credit going, to the Army Hammer as well for pulling that off. And whoever wrote it, obviously, he, the writing for him. Yeah, being that character, being yeah. who he was. Yeah, but at the same time, I would definitely recommend The Shrine in terms of if you want to look at a, a low-budget film that does have a decent story to it and that really if you want to see how well almost like it i wouldn't call it indie no no it's not indie is it no it was just low budget just a low budget Mm. 11 year old movie you know what i mean like it's not it just came and went it had no stars no main no main big headline names you know what i mean so it just didn't have the money backing it this is where we find out it costs like you know twenty million to make, it. <laughs> and then we're just sad for everyone involved. <laughs> but it it does actually have a a main actor in it. I don't know if it was actually well known back then. The guy that plays the photographer actually plays Iceman in the X Men movies. But is I know that they're they're twin brothers. Is he that one or is he the other one? Did you not know that? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I thought I thought it was one guy. <laughs> no, there. I'm not sure it's him. I think yeah. it's his brother. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, because I know that um, <laughs> Iceman and Quantum Break the game. Mm-hmm. I thought it was all just one actor. I didn't realize they were twins. No, I think you're right. I think it is him. I think you're right. No, wait. Maybe you're wrong. <laughs> Aaron Ashmore. He played Jimmy Olsen on Smallville. Oh, yeah. I forgot. And he is the identical twin brother of Sean Ashmore. And Sean Ashmore is the guy who plays Iceman. I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so I found that out. I found that out like 10 years ago when I watched the shrine. I was like, oh, is that that guy? And it's not. It's his twin brother. Maybe that's why the acting is not as good. Twins. That doesn't mean they're both the same level or caliber of actor. They're just, they just look the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even then though, he is a name, but he's not like a he's not like a head headline name. You wouldn't bank the movie on him being in it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, if any listeners watch them and have, uh, you know, agree or disagree with anything we said, too, we'd love to hear that. If you do watch Wounds or The Shrine, let us know. Let us know how you feel about them. So, yes, if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, we are on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, and Anchor, if you want to listen. Also on, for, well, for social media, on Instagram, which I've literally just started up recently. I'm still trying to get the hang of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm classed as an older millennial, so I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you'd like to help us out, we are actually on two donation websites or on Patreon. If you want to look up uh, caffeinated monsters on there, uh, well, buy me a coffee. So if you want to be, well, if you want to help us out with expenses or anything like that, you can send us a message on there. And it's literally £3 a month, so it's literally the price of a coffee. So if you want to find some there, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. That'd be great. I feel like I waffled on at that last part. It's really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. You got to let the kids know where to find us, you know? It's... Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that the hip thing? Is that what people say today? You got to let the groovy cats know where to find us. Does that work? (laughs) It might do. I don't know. Either way. Who knows? Somebody out there is like, oh, she called me a groovy cat. I missed that phrase. (laughs) But yes, if you'd like to find us, we are podcasting websites. This will be a bi-weekly podcast episode release. And you can find us on Instagram. So, if you'd like to help us out, buy me a coffee and Patreon. I'm waffling on again. Shall we just end the episode? Because I am slowly losing the will to carry on. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. And um, we're going to be hard at work coming out with new episodes. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye for now.